Jesus says this in John chapter 17. He's praying Jesus, the Son of God, is praying to Father God. He says in verse 6, I have manifested your name, meaning he's, he's acted out the part. He's been the part of representing the Father's name on earth. When you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me that they may, may be one as we are. Let's pray. Father, I pray, Lord, that... I pray, Lord, this, this morning that your exceedingly abundant grace will be obvious and apparent to us. Lord, to use a, 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 a term that's overused in the world, radical. This is, this, is, this is radical, and it's the one place, if ever there is a place, that the term should be used, your radical grace. A grace so radical that we cannot understand it or accept it except by a move of the Holy Spirit. And I ask for that this morning, Lord, in us, in me. I pray that I would not be a hindrance, Lord. I just, certainly in the natural, I'm an unworthy messenger, Lord. And I just thank you for the privilege of being able to be a mouthpiece for this message of grace. Oh, that we would all understand it this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. So John chapter 17, Jesus, God's Son, is praying to God the Father. Always amazes me that Jesus at this time knows full well that the crucifixion is coming. Just a couple hours from this point in John chapter 17, Jesus would be arrested. He would be beaten, taken to trial. Within 12 hours of this point right here in John chapter 17, his body would be placed on top of a cross that was laying on the ground 
while he was on the ground facing heavenward, iron stakes would be driven through his hands, an iron stake through his feet. The cross would be lifted up between the two other crosses on which two thieves were, who also had been nailed to their crosses. His clothes, having been removed from his body, his, 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 body, his naked body completely exposed to the Middle Eastern Son, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says this, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on a tree, which represents the cross there. Jesus took your sin on the cross, and he was punished for your sin. He was judged by your sin. The, body, the Bible says the wrath of God, the anger of God, because he's so holy, hovers over the world because of their sin but that Jesus took that wrath so that we wouldn't have to, so that God could have an everlasting relationship based upon love with us, with you. But Jesus knew all that was coming, this, this cross, the bloody cross. Here in chapter 17, he's praying to the Father. Now quickly, here's something that I find fascinating in John chapter 13 it was the last supper the night before Jesus was crucified he had the last supper which we which we call the first communion maybe first time communion was celebrated and in John chapter 14 uh, we read the words that Jesus gave at the last supper what he shared with his disciples but at the very the very last verse of John chapter 14 Jesus says arise let us go from here so they got up and they began to walk now stay with me here John chapter 18 verse 1 right after John chapter 17 finishes Jesus spoke these words he says this he says um, in John chapter 18 verse 1 well it says this it says after he had spoken these words he went with his disciples where there was a garden referring to the garden of Gethsemane so apparently John chapter 15 16 and 7 rather John chapter 15 and 16 and chapter 17 were words that Jesus spoke on the road while walking from the Last Supper to the Garden of Gethsemane. We all know at the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying to the, to, to the Father, if, it, if it's your will, take this cup away. And it drop his, he was in so much stress that there, were bloods, uh, there was blood in his drops of sweat. But, but on the way there, he's speaking John chapter 15 and 16. And then I, I imagine it was a slow walk Abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches, John chapter 15. But then in John chapter uh, 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 17, it appears that he just stops and he, he breaks out in prayer just in front of them. They're listening. They, this, this prayer uh, that Jesus prays to the Father is prayed out loud. It's recorded. 
Now, as we mentioned at the very end of chapter 16, the last verse, the last line, the last bit of instruction that Jesus gave on planet Earth before being crucified, what did he say? He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And right after he says that, he stops and he just breaks out in prayer. And that's what John uh, 17 is about. And a lot of it, a lot of John 17, is about that, that piece of instruction. In this world, you will have trouble. And John, in John chapter 17, when he just breaks out and he, he goes from speaking to the disciples uh, and, and actually speaking to you, because he's speaking to you at the time, even though... He, you're 2,000 years from being born. But he breaks out and, and he starts praying to, to the Father. And a lot of his prayer is dedicated to that. that in this world, you're going to have trouble. The world, the, the, that word world is mentioned 17 times in this prayer. And so he begins the prayer in, in verse 1 of John chapter 17 with the word Father. If I could just sidetrack really briefly, I think this is just so important. You know, today is Father's Day. So many of you in this room grew up either without a father or with a father who had very little of involvement in your life. Some of you, a couple of you, your dad may be in jail right now. Or you grew up with an angry father, an abusive father, who knew nothing about God. Or ladies, you may be married to a man uh, who is not a good father. He's not a good husband. He's not a good father. So Father's Day gets really confusing and hurtful in the year 2018. And I'm mindful of that. But consider this. Consider this. Oh, man, do I love the Word of God. In the book of Matthew, God has addressed his father your father 20, 32 times by my count in the book of Mark 3 times in the book of Luke 17 times in the book of John God is addressed as father, your father 115 times listen God is your father I don't know what your dad is doing today. And he may be a father that, 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 that just like Adeline uh, described, and God bless you. But whoever your father is, good or bad, supremely, God is your father. And, and we're so knuckleheaded when it comes to that point. He's got to mention 115 times in this one book. To get it across. He's, he loves us so much. He tells us 115 times, God is your father. God knows full well about living in Boston in the year 2018 and the, 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 the dads are gone, not taking part in your lives. God is your father. John chapter 1, verse 12 says this, to as many who receive Jesus, to as many who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. And then Galatians 4, 6 says this, and because you are sons, daughters, 
God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Abba is a, uh, a term which, uh, similar to what we would call, I believe that's Aramaic, but similar to, to what we would say, Daddy, Daddy, Father. He wants that intimacy uh, in your relationship with him. God is your Father. When you pray, <laughs> when you pray to God, call him Father. Address him as your Father, because he is. There's no rules about this. You can pray to Jesus. Stephen in Acts chapter 7, pray to Jesus. You can pray to Jesus. I, I personally don't think there's a lot of biblical precedent for praying to the Holy Spirit, but if you want to pray to the Holy Spirit, just go for it. There's no laws. But, but, but listen, 115 times, it's mentioned in the book of John for a reason. Pray to God the Father. He's your Father. Six times in this prayer, John chapter 17, he's addressed, Jesus addresses him as Father. So we come to verse 6. Read along with me, verse 6. Jesus says, I have a, I've manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now skip down to verse 11. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. He's reference to the fact that he's going up. <laughs> After his crucifixion, he's going to heaven. Where he had been from all eternity in the bosom of the Father, he's going back. But then he says, Keep them, middle of verse 11, through your name, those whom you have given me. Now go to verse 12. It says this, while I was with them in the world, I kept them, I kept them in your name. Go to verse 15. I do not pray that you should make them, speaking of you guys, you gals, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. So Jesus is, is says, he says in verse 6, he says, they have kept your word, and then he goes on to say, now, Father, keep them. Keep them them. What does he mean, keep them? He means nothing less than this. <laughs> keep them in your salvation. That's what he means. God says he keeps you once you have made him king of your life. He keeps you in your salvation. The Bible teaches that God saves you you may not be saved this morning. The Bible says he's drawing you. <laughs> Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. It's a strange place to be in a hotel conference center on a Sunday morning if, unless you're, God's drawing you here. 
Bible teaches that God saves you. He teaches, he t- it teaches that every man, every woman, when they come out of the room, they, Jesus says this, he's out on the broad road, the wide road that leads to destruction, everlasting destruction, hell. That's a, a, a just result for any human being because of their rebellion against him. But it says that Jesus draws men, women, to salvation. He delivered you. He saved you. And once he saves you, he keeps you there. Consider this verse, Jude 1. Jude has one chapter, so Jude 1. It's the first verse. To those who have been called, who are loved in God, the Father, and kept, same exact word in John chapter 17, Tereo, I think it is in Greek, for Jesus Christ. The Father keeps you. He keeps you in what? Your salvation. His salvation of you. Next verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept. Same word. Exact same word. As we see in John chapter 17. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And now here, if, if go to this verse in your Bible and under, underline it 10 times, the one who calls you is faithful, he will do it. doesn't say he may do it. <laughs> I've had so many conversations with people who doubt this part of God's word. It doesn't say he may do it. It says he will do it. Do what? Keep you in your salvation. One more verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. The testimony, meaning the life, the life, the testimony of Jesus Christ was confirmed in you, meaning it was placed in you, it was sealed upon you, it was confirmed in you. Jesus Christ also will confirm you to the end. What does that mean other than God is faithful to keep you in your salvation? So here in John chapter 17, God the Son is praying to God the Father, Father, they have kept my word, now keep them in their salvation. Now remember, by the way, what we learned about the promise of prayer in John chapter 16, verse 20. For Jesus said what? He said, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Verse, the verse previous, verse 23 says, I most assuredly, which means modern translation, listen now and listen really carefully. I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Now, if it's true with us, How much more so with Jesus when he's praying. When he prays, Father, they've kept my word. Now keep them in their salvation. It's a done deal. God would sooner sin, lie, go against his own character than he would allow you to somehow escape from the the effective salvation that by the way, was accomplished through his life and on that cross, that bloody cross. It, yeah, it was really ugly. 
There's a big cost that Jesus paid, and it was a big, big salvation that he bought for you. They have kept your word and now keep them in your salvation. So for the rest of the message today, I've already started. I just want to talk about this spectacular message of grace. What is grace? Grace is, we put up these different definitions in the past. Grace, getting what we don't deserve. Gracia. I put grace. But here's really the biblical definition. Can we go back to the previous one, Sean? So the previous one, uh, uh, the previous one getting what we don't deserve, that's sort of a, a standard definition in the world. But the Bible, grace is much, much more. In the Bible, uh, it, it's receiving a reward when we deserve a punishment. And I give the example of the state trooper who stops you for speeding. And not only does he let you off and not give you a ticket, that's mercy, but go home, you get, you get a letter in the mail, congratulations for what you did on the highway, you're the driver of the month, and you get to go out to any restaurant in Boston. That's grace in the Bible, that, that we receive a reward when we deserve a punishment. What reward? The reward that Christ purchased for himself that he shares in, we share in as well. That's what the Bible says grace is. That's why when I say radical, overused term, radical, rad, man. <laughs> well, the one place that it really should be used is this one. It's a radical message of grace, and people get really angry with it. A little bit more on that later. The Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy speaks of the exceedingly abundant grace of God. Why does he talk like that in those extreme terms? Well, it's all here in John chapter 17. Consider this, this prayer. He's praying at the end of verse 6. He says, they've kept my word. They've kept my what? They've kept my what? Why is Jesus saying about these that they kept his word? What's he thinking these disciples argued every chance they got which among them was the greatest. How is that keeping God's word? Peter literally tried to block Jesus on his way to Jerusalem to be crucified. He literally tried to stop him from doing it. Jesus calls him, get behind me, Satan. Well, now, what do you mean they kept your, your word, Jesus? A Samaritan village did not want to receive Jesus into their town. James and John wanted to call down fire from heaven to destroy the city. Jesus like, you don't even know what kind of guy I am. How is that keeping his word? He prays it. What does that mean? What could that possibly mean? Did you know that the Bible says that Jesus, even now, he died, he resurrected after three days, he ascended into heaven. Even now, even today, he's praying for you. Did you know that? It's a strange truth to wrap our minds around. The Bible says it. 
at least twice. Hebrews chapter 7:25. Jesus always lives to make intercession, meaning to pray for them, meaning you. Romans chapter 8:34. Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, always makes intercession for us. He's always praying for us. What's he praying? What's he praying for you? Same thing we just read. They've kept your word. Amy has kept your word. Jesus is praying that for Amy. Derek has kept your word. He's praying that for Derek. Ricardo has kept your word. Adeline has kept your word. Jesus is praying that. Anthony has kept your word. Holly has kept your word. Bola has kept your word. David has kept your word. Stephanie has kept your word. Christina has kept your word. What? Wait a second. Why is he saying that about me? That I've kept his word. Did he not see what I did last week when that guy cut me off on I ninety three? What I said and did? Did he not see? Did, did he? Did he not last year when was he not looking when I did that that thing that I just can't stand thinking about it? 10 years ago when I completely took advantage of that person? 20 years ago when I had that abortion? 25 years ago when I backstabbed my own parents? Why is he praying that I've kept his word? In the Old Testament, there's a description of King David's life, which is a description which is given after his death. And the description is this, that David did only what was right in God's eyes. What's up with that? David committed adultery with Bathsheba, and then when she got pregnant, killed her husband to cover it up? There's a lot of examples of this type of thing. King Asa, who was a good king, although he didn't end very well. He made an alliance with a wicked king, the king of Syria, and when a prophet of God confronted him for making this alliance with a wicked king, he went into a a fit of rage and threw the guy into prison. Threw the prophet, a prophet of God, into prison. Still, after he died, this is the description the Bible gives of him, of Asa, 1 Kings 22.43. It says, he walked in all the ways, rather that Asa did not turn aside from the ways of God, doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. The guy threw a prophet of God in prison. In Romans chapter 4, it says of Abraham that he never wavered in his faith Whoa, where were you? Where, we, last Sunday morning, we, Eric Burks was up here teaching. That's not what I heard him teach. And it wasn't because he was getting it wrong. Abraham gives his wife away twice to different kings because he was scared the kings were going to kill him for her. He laughs when God tells him he's going to have a kid because he's so old. And then instead of waiting on God for, the, for God to deliver, deliver the kid, he winds up sleeping with his wife's maid and having a kid. 
Why does it say in Romans chapter 4, he never wavered in faith? What's all this about? Father, they have kept my word. Eric has kept my word. Levi has kept my word. Ben has kept my word. Andrew has kept my word. Father, they have kept my word. Now, keep them in their salvation. And by the way, that sounds like a works-based salvation to me. They've kept my word. So now, Lord, keep them in their salvation. It is. <laughs> salvation is works-based. It's based on works. Only it ain't your works. It, it's not your works. It's the works of Jesus Christ. Go to John chapter 17, verse 4. Read it with me. He's praying to God the Father, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work. He's finished the work which you have given me to do. The cross hasn't happened yet. What work is he talking about? He's talking about on planet earth, God was preparing him to be a perfect sacrifice, a perfect lamb of God. In the Old Testament, when lambs were offered up for sacrifice, they had to be perfect. They couldn't have blemishes. They couldn't have one eye poked out, whatever, a, 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 a leg shorter than the others. They had to be perfect, and so did the that man on the cross for you to be saved. And, and, and the Bible says um, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says this, we have a high priest referring to Jesus who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Listen to me. When you receive Jesus Christ as your king, and if you haven't ever done that, if you've looking back at your, your life for thinking, I've been a king of my own life. That's who I was, by the way, until I was in my early 20s. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and King, your Master, your Savior, that perfect life that He lives is credited to your account, and at every moment from that point on until you pass on into heaven, into the next life, or Jesus returned, he prays this way for you. He, she, has kept my word. Now keep him, keep her in my salvation. Now is that radical or what? Your disobedience your wretched, ugly disobedience is stripped away from you. The Bible says, once you have accepted Jesus as your Lord, Ephesians chapter 1 says that when he sees you saved, you are holy and blameless before him. Your obedience stripped away. Your sin remembered no more. So I introduced uh, communion for communion about two months ago with very similar way. Some of you remember when I was talking in the same way about David that says in the Bible that he didn't go to the right or to the left, and it says Abraham never wavered in his faith. It says that when God looks at you, he looks at you stripped of all your disobedience, and he, and, and he prays, Jesus prays, they've kept, they've kept my word. Incredible. That same day, we had a, a visitor, a one-time visitor, didn't meet the person. They went on to Facebook, 
And they said, I can't take that watered-down gospel. I'm not drinking that poison of my message. Please don't feel sorry for me (laughs) because I'm in good company. I look at Romans chapter 3 where Paul was teaching the exact same thing. He said, by faith, not works, by faith you are justified. Just if I have never sinned. He also recounts what people were accusing him of because he taught that. Romans chapter 3 verse 8 says, they are slanderously reporting me as saying, well, just go sin and good will become of it. I love, I love what Charles Swindoll says. He says, if you're preaching grace and no one is criticizing you, you're not preaching grace. <laughs> and of course, why do people criticize the message of grace? Well, if they teach that, the people are going to run out and they're going to go down to the bar and get wasted. They're going to go down to the parlet house and prostitute themselves. Excuse me? Let me tell you, If a person is taking that bloody cross, that naked body exposed to the Middle Eastern sun and using it as a license for sin, more likely than that, they're not saved because they have the Holy Spirit inside of them and the Holy Spirit is is, uh, driving us to be like Christ, to be like Jesus, to bless our Father. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't sin. This doesn't mean that someone's not going to get drunk or go to a house of prostitution. Well, they ain't going to like staying there. And when, but when Christians use the grace of God as a license for sin, you know, I know that God's going to forgive me. I can live this way. Let this be a warning to your heart. If you're saying that, you're probably not saved. Because Jesus is not your Lord. I mean, you're saying in your heart. Jesus prayed, they have kept your word. He's saying that only because Jesus, on behalf of us, kept his word. Now keep them and their salvation. I'm going to call the worship team up at this point and... If you've been asked to pray, uh, please come up. And while they're coming up, I want to I want to put up this verse. Can we put up that last verse, Sean? You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. There's other references in the Bible about grace giving us rest, grace giving us peace. How can we possibly be strong? How can we possibly have joy? How can we possibly have have, um, rest in our life if we're thinking we always have to somehow keep our salvation? We have to be good enough today to keep it. Oh, I hope I don't blow it today because I'll lose my relationship with God. That's nonsense, non-biblical thinking. Now, if you've never made Jesus your king, you're in a dangerous place today and it's not just danger for this life it's a danger for eternity 
And as the worship team's here, up here, and we have people praying uh, up here, we'll have prayer partners up here, come on up and we'll lead you through a prayer of salvation. And really, that's what it is. It's, it's a prayer. It's a simple prayer. It's not an easy decision. The Bible says count the costs when you make Jesus your king. But once he is your king, he takes the responsibility of keeping you there. And you know something? Rather than being a message that's a license for sin, what this really is, it's the most radical, explosive message ever known to mankind because once you get the grace of God, once you get how great his salvation is, you don't want to sin. <laughs> you're gonna, but you're, you know, because the Bible says in the book of James, every one of us stumbles in many ways, but, but you're gonna start living a, a, a holy and more holy and more holy life, and as your, as your years go by, hear, hear me, you're gonna, you're gonna sin less and less and less. You're gonna become more and more and more aware of your sin as you go on in your years with the Lord, but your sin Less and less and less. Why? Because you got the, the grace of God. You understand how great your salvation is. Let's stand up for a closing worship song. If you'd like to come up and pray really about anything, if the Lord has stirred your heart this morning, please come up. I'm going to close us in prayer, and then we'll sing and come up and pray. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for this. This This one time that we can really use radical and oh does it make all the sense in the world your radical grace that you have exceedingly abundantly poured out on our lives Lord you've opened up our eyes to something that we have never known before when we when we opened up this this word the Bible and 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 father we we thank you for that, but I pray that, yes, even as your word also says, he who began a good work in you will complete it. I pray, Father, that you would complete just the, the, the message that, the, that your spirit is working in us and through us today because we're going to out, walk out of here, Lord. and We get that world out there, and we got that devil out there. We just said another part of the prayer was keep them from the evil. We need, we need you. We need your help. In the world, the world has a thousand different messages to pull us away from you, Lord. We thank you that you keep us in our salvation. We thank you for that, Lord. And now by your grace, Lord, I just pray that that our understanding of your word would lead to worship in our lives and thanksgiving and praise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.